Hey there, it's Sarah. Just a quick note. When Dimity and MK recorded this podcast, they talked to four mother runners. Everything seemed fine, but unfortunately in post-production, our producer Alex discovered that one of the mother runners' audio recording was just not up to snuff. It was this mother runner, Kirsten, who's the sister of Heidi, who's also in the podcast. So we ended up just editing Kirsten out. There's still more than an hour of listening for you. So sorry about that, but enjoy the rest of the interviews. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I am joined by Dimity McDowell. Hello, hello. Yes, yes. So, Dim, I think people want to hear about how the Twin Cities 10-miler race went for you. Yeah, well, and so I did. You just asked me if I talked about it all on the podcast, and then I remember that I slipped it in um, in my Train Like a Mother Club corner recently. So maybe I did, because I was giving a massive plug to the 10-mile distance. Just, oh, it. It's just delicious. It's better than Thin Mint Cookies. It's better than Good Sex. It's just awesome, you know? Wow. Wow, that's, know. A, that's a mighty good race distance. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah. Because um, those Thin Mint Cookies, they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I was trying to think of something really decadent. I couldn't think of something. I mean, warm, warm chocolate chip cookies are better, I guess, when they're really good, you know, the good kind, nice and soft in the middle. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I just love that distance because it is, you know, you, you can't, I mean, you can show up and just have a good day on race day more or less but I mean if you train it's great because you get to run hard and then you hit double digits and you're done right and then you don't have to do that stupid <laughs> the second 5K. you hit double digits done I done <laughs> I touched the one I touched the zero and I don't not run in another step so don't yeah. Um, yeah, and then the and then the Minneapolis course. I mean, that's what I I just give a huge shout out to the Twin Cities as always. I mean, their marathon is amazing, and the ten mile race like just really well run. Um, the course is so beautiful. Summit Avenue was mm-hmm. freshly paved, and I swear oh. to God, it was like it was like a mattress. Like it was just like I mean, I know it, it was, was like pavement. a Casper mattress. <laughs> yeah, it was like a Casper mattress. It was like running on thin mints or something. I don't know. Um, but it was just so delicious and I mean it was hard like I pushed myself and I and I ran um I ran faster than I did in 20 was it 2012 2012 mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. so that was good I ran about two minutes faster so I wow, met awesome. that goal which was huge and mm-hmm. um but I also just I executed a really good race I um enjoyed myself more or less I mean it was just it was just great and then I mean and then I mean the best part for me always is um you know I stayed with my friend Joe our friend Joe I should say mm-hmm. and uh we go back to her house. She's got this little posse of, you know, Minnesota mother runners. Oh, the most awesome people. Yeah. Oh. And so, you know, I mean, she met one of them in Strava through a train like a mother challenge. Um, and then some of her friends that she just knows from schools and things like that. And um, mm-hmm. jump on her bikes and we go and just cheer our brains out. And we stopped first at a donut shop, which is, <laughs> God, I can't remember the name of it, but um, it was like, donuts like they're called crack balls i mean they're just the littlest <laughs> most delicious little that made thing. alex laugh <laughs> yeah. um so we had those and then we rode on some more and you know and it was cheering cheering and mm-hmm. um and then ended up at mile 25 yep. where there was a house it was a house on summit avenue that had bloody mary's and like you know costco with snacks. very decadent toppings oh i know like such you know decadent spears in those my gosh it was like and yeah yeah 
yeah, yeah. full on meal in, yeah. the, in the Bloody Mary itself. Yeah. It's good because yeah. I needed some protein. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And so just cheered there. And then I, and I wrote this in my blog, but we um, got to see there's a woman in, in one of the, um, the heart rate marathon challenge named Deanna, mm-hmm. who I met at the expo the day before. And she mm-hmm. had leukemia and the drugs that she had to take basically like wiped out all of her cardiovascular fitness. Like oh my goodness. she was a force. I mean, she still is a force, but like, you know it she you know her spark kind of got taken mm-hmm. away as she became healthy which is you know ironic right so mm-hmm. um so she built herself back up to the marathon distance and we saw her um at mile 25 and it just like was a perfect bookend because you know she was like oh and i'm like come on you know you got one mile left and it was just so fun to like kind of send her on her way and uh-huh. you know because she's i believe she's healthy now and uh-huh. um and you know and she's got so many good things in front of her and it was just fun to see oh, that's her. awesome Head out. So yeah, it was a great weekend. I mean, you and we had a great time at the expo, right? I mean, met so many women. Oh my gosh. People love the hoodies. Oh my gosh. Like (laughs) I know. So fantastic. It just I just, you know, it'd been a long time since we'd been to a bigger race expo. And you know, expos can be tiring. As as uh, I have no know, idea we, what you're talking about. <laughs> we, you're like, Dimity, I'll have you there for 20 minutes. I'm just going to schedule you. In. Is that an, is that too long? Is that too long? <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, I was very judicious in my my scheduling. <laughs> you are very sweet. Thank you. For that. <laughs> oh, good. And um, so, but it had been a while since we've been, and you know, and like Fridays can be slower. And, oh, I mean, I've already raved about, but it was just on the podcast. But it just. People just were so nice and so welcoming and just Oh, you uh, betcha. You betcha. It, it just, was just it was fantastic. And I love and it. so um yeah, yeah. So and you know, I was envious that I couldn't get over to the course, but I just couldn't figure it out on Sunday morning that you know, I, I so I I had a bib and and but you know, I like to if I had, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I thought, okay, well if I got myself over to Summit now I would be ahead of the elites. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that, that would be awkward. A little awkward, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so then, because it's one thing if you, if, if there's a race in your town and you happen to be on the route and yeah. you don't have a bib, but I would have a bib and... <laughs> And then yeah. it would be like, um, you don't look like you should be leading the pack. <laughs> and so then, so then I thought, oh, well, but if I wait long enough for, for people of my pace to be coming through, then I wouldn't be like, I'd miss checkout at the hotel and I hadn't like had any contingency plans. Sure. And so I just was it's like, just a puzzle to put it. together. Gonna, yeah, it was, it was. So I just decided that I would, uh, go for a solo run along the river and it was very beautiful. And, um, but I'm already scheming for next year and how I can do things. And I think I've talked Molly into running the Twin Cities Marathon. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah. yeah Cause I told her, I'm like, Molly, you know, you, you can stay in my hotel room. <laughs> so you just got to get yourself there. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and she would have a cheering squad, like nobody else. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, the bike, right. the Bammer bike squad, Bammer bike squad. Yep. We, we, we like to, to <laughs> right. embarrass people. <laughs> I can envision a logo already with the yeah. bike and yes. everything. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it was great. And then, and then you were off to Philly. Uh, yes. I'm headed to Philly in a couple of weeks. Um, we are, um, having the, there probably, there is a, a party. We are having a party. Um, gosh, do I feel a little talked out? Do I sound a little talked out? <laughs> so um, that's, Kelly, that's on... Kelly, who's a mother runner who lives in Philadelphia mm-hmm. near Villanova, has offered to have a mother runner party. So if you are hearing this and have not heard about it, we would love to have you come. We did not put out a whole site-wide invitation just because um, it, that was seemed a little much. But mm-hmm. um, you can either email 
um, just email runmother at gmail.com. It's mm-hmm. um, Saturday afternoon, which is the half marathon. So the half right. marathon goes yeah, Saturday November morning. 19th. Yep. And then, um, and then the marathon's the morning of the 20th. So it's the 19th and 20th, Saturday afternoon from 4 to 6.30. Um, <laughs> so nice and early. We're getting yep. you out if you're running the marathon the next day. Or, you know, good to celebrate if you finish the half. Or just even if you're not running a race, come and, come and join us because the vibe is fun. And um, yep. we probably have a few prizes or something. I don't know. Something yeah. on my sleeve. It's not, a, it's not a mother runner party if there's not some swag or some Yeah, yeah. But it's, I don't think we're not doing the full-on goodie bag. So if you're yeah, coming no, for no, the no. goodie bag... <laughs> Yeah, don't skip don't. it. Yeah. <laughs> we need to manage expectations right now. Exactly. Um, so, and that's your goal race, right? Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I felt like I, I kind of met sandbagging. my goal in the Twin Cities. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just kind of, uh, yeah, I'm not sandbagging. No, I'm, I'm pro- not trying to. I mean, so I, I'll be honest. I mean, I put in my time in and it said I could run a 150 half marathon. So that's what I have my eye on. Um, uh-huh. But if, you know, if it comes to fruition, great. If not... That's okay too, right? I'd say. Um, well, I wonder now because this is the first year that they uh, that they've split the marathon in the half, right? Yeah, yeah. So it will be less crowded than it has been in the past, but I still sort of wonder. I mean, you're you're definitely going to have to put yourself in the right corral and all that stuff. Cause yeah, because well, um, it winds through the downtown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's a fun. It's such a beautiful course. Such great support. Um, I'm forgetting the name of that street, but that's, I just have great memories of going down that main drag and just all those people just high-fiving you with, you know, their, their exuberance and their wonderful accents sometimes. So uh, it's a lot lot of fun. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Well, uh, this is a different than usual show. So um, do you want to explain, give a little taste preview? Yeah. uh, Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk. uh, Duck out of here. Okay, sorry, as I already interrupt you, I'm like, get out of here, Sarah, already. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the floor. Give me the floor. Yeah, um, we're going to talk today about our inaugural heart rate-based training programs. We still have people coming across the finish line. The Marine Corps, week, Marine Corps Marathon is this weekend. New York City is next. Um, but we wanted to take today and check in with four mother runners who have already completed the 20-week program and crossed their finish line. Um, a quick primer on heart rate training if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, When you train by heart rate, you wear a heart rate monitor and your effort is dedicated by your beats per minute instead of your pace. I'm sorry, it's not dedicated. It's dictated by your beats per minute instead of your pace. Um, That means that you are limited by what you physiologically can do that day instead of letting your ego or your BRF or something else dictate your workout. Um, The the result is that, yes, you're probably going to slow down on your easy effort days, but in doing so, you also build a super wide aerobic base, which over time helps you run faster and stronger for longer periods of time. It um, minimizes the risk of injury. It allows you that it, it creates a situation where you don't wipe yourself out with every run, and it takes the pressure off to race your training, which is a mistake many of us make. Before we dive into talking with our heart rate trained mother runners and have coach Mary Catherine Fleming, who oversees the program, join us, we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. So first up, we are going to talk to Amy Trueblood, who is a 38-year-old attorney and mother, of course, in Southeast Missouri. She's got two boys who are four and seven. Um, Amy ran her first half marathon in 2005 and then didn't really race again until about 2016, which she signed up for an Olympic triathlon in May. She says, I didn't want to get the post-race blues after that try. 
So I signed up for the Heart Rate Amazing Half Plan and the Rock and Roll St. Louis Half Marathon. And um, what we're doing with each runner is a little quote from, we, we have had these um, on the Facebook pages, the private Facebook pages. People have been writing their post-race reports, which are just been so fun to read. And so I pulled a little quote from everybody, so all four people. So Amy says, I never imagined I'd get so much from a running plan. So no pressure, but what'd you get? I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So, um, so, so what attracted you to heart rate training? Well, I used an online training plan for my Olympic in the spring, and a lot of those workouts were based on heart rate zones, so it was a little squishier than MK's plan. Um, but that was my first time using training peaks, and I just fell in love with the data, even though it didn't mean very much to me. Um, and I wanted more of that. And I found that the science behind those low heart rate long distances was fascinating. So when I went looking for my next thing, the heart rate plans literally just, they just fell into my lap. I was listening to the, that first podcast that Dimity and MK did. And I can remember where I was on my usual route exactly when I decided, oh, I should do this. This is what I need to do next. This is so obvious to me. And finally, I'm, I'm still such a newbie. Um, I have a lot of base to build still, and I know that. And so this seems like a great way to safely build that base and to, to, con to continue with this journey that I have restarted. That's that's great. That's great. So so you set out on this 20-week journey with, with – uh... MK and me and a couple of your closest hundred of heart rate runner <laughs> friends, new BRFs. And what, what aspects did you like most about training by heart rate? I mean, you had a little bit of a dabble with it with a triathlon, but we really, like you said, it, we, we, we made it a little bit different. We didn't give you zones. We said, basically, you're going to keep it under 140 unless there's like a little, you know, asterisk, like fun part of the workout where you get to maybe pick it up a little bit. Right. I... When I did the Olympic triathlon training plan, they, the zones are, are much squishier. And I thought that when MK said, don't worry, you're going to be slow. I thought, oh, I know what slow is. I'm going to be slow. It's going to be fine. And um, it, it, it wasn't. I was definitely a lot slower. But I, I do have to get my runs done in the morning. And those long, slow morning runs were kind of the exercise equivalent of waking up and sitting on the sofa drinking coffee. So it, it's hard to wake up and really go into a tough workout or a strength training session, but the, the easy effort runs were just my speed and my dog loved them too. So it was just a really nice way to start the morning. I didn't dread it. I, I could handle taking care of it. I didn't, I didn't hate it going into it. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's what, so that is something that we hear a lot is that you don't dread it because you know, you're not going to completely beat yourself up. Right. Um, you know, when you doing this thing that you know is good for you, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's conversely hard to get up and say, okay, I'm going to go run. I mean, I think you said most of your training miles were kind of in the 14 minute split range. Is that right? I think that's, well, it depends. I've always wondered what exactly do I count as, as my easy effort pace? Am I looking at the overall pace for the entire workout or am I looking at the individual splits? Because, you know, that very first mile is going to be a lot slower than the, the others. Sometimes it's not so much slower, but sure. I, I actually wanted to ask that question. Which number should I be looking at? I, well, I'm smiling right now because that makes me so happy. Most people find that their first mile is always their fastest because they just start off too quickly, and that's a habit that is so hard to break of just easing into the workout. So already Coach is proud that you to hear you say, oh, well, I've been doing what you said and easing into the workout, so I don't know. So yay, I love you. You're my favorite. This is amazing. <laughs> um, 
But the number, honestly, I just kind of look at what, what I tell people to do. It's kind of like uh, the stock market, right? If you watch your investments day to day, you're going to lose your mind because um, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, and it's just like, well, and the actual variation isn't terribly large. So we need to pick points and kind of stick to it. So I like to say, go back and look at the first run you did for me and look at the average pace at the end of that and your training log and how you felt. And then go look at your most recent run, see what your average pace was at the end of that workout, and the training log and how you felt. And if that doesn't show you a world of difference, then, you know, what are we doing, right? Because so, really when it comes down to, uh, having a good race comes down to two things, how you execute the training plan and how you execute the, the race plan, it's like the actual running part of the race plan. So if, you, uh, you know, if we've gotten to a point where you're doing this every day, and you're you're not injured and you're not hating life. I think that means we're winning at it by default. So, yeah. yay! That's a long answer, but that, that is a long answer. So, so the average is one is the average. I mean, to answer your question with one word, not a word salad, but one word. She's bringing four forks and tongs to toss. Um, <laughs> right. And some croutons. So um, I think I think it was more like sixteen. Then I was really okay. I was really excited on a day when it would go under sixteen because usually okay. it was over. It was somewhere just over sixteen for the whole run. Okay, well, so that my question to you is how, like you said, you, it was nice because it was a nice gradual warm up and it was like the equivalent of kind of like slowly waking up your body and your ligaments and your tendons, which we talk about, you know, not going too hard on them. But that's hard mentally, right? I mean, and, and that was pe what people struggled with a little bit, um, especially at the beginning. I mean, did you just kind of just say, I'm going to trust the training and, and how, how did you reconcile that? Yes, I I decided to trust the training. I knew it was going to be a lot slower than I thought that I should be going, but that that was the key for me. When I, there was a podcast a while back, not too long ago, that um, divided people into panda bears and black knights, and I'm kind of a panda bear. I'm I'm sort of snuggle the snuggle bear, and so it really wasn't hard for me to just ease into the to the hour long shuffle. Um, I. What I did worry about, though, was that I was going to get really used to shuffling that slowly and just not want to go faster, not want to pick my heart rate up more. But that's why you had the pickups and you had the accelerators. So I think that that did kind of take care of it. But there were some mornings when I thought, I just can't do a pickup after this mile. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand that. So, um, so was this one? No, okay. Yeah. Uh, so we had the BOSU and the resistance loops. I know um, that kind of throwing them them in uh, added some time to the workouts, but you yes. were really faithful to them, and that's that's awesome. Did you feel a difference? Absolutely. Um, I will confess that I avoided the BOSU at first. The first time I did it, the next day I was sore in some weird places, and I think I, I asked you about it. And you said, oh, that's because you're doing something wrong. <laughs> you, have, you have really weak something, and I can't remember what it was now. So then I confess <laughs> I just focused more on the loops, and within about 10 days or so, I could feel, or maybe I was just more aware of these muscles around my hips that I had never noticed before. You know, I'd have my hand in my pocket and I would think, wait, there's something there that I had never noticed before. Yum. So I kept up faithfully with those. And then one day I decided to ask MK why my calves and shins were burning during my runs. Do you remember that call, MK? Probably not. Um, <laughs> no, I do. And your emphatic answer was, <laughs> you need the BOSU. So I, you said, you've got to get those glutes back engaged. So I recommitted to the BOSU and it really did make a difference. I, within a week or so, my, my burning shins and calves were, were gone. Wow. Um, wow. And that yes. was, an, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I, I stopped for the taper because the plan says don't do that anymore when you're tapering. 
and the burning came back. And so I mentioned it to Demity said, get back on the BOSU, do it again. And I, <laughs> I remember that Demity had the same problem with her, I think, was it your foot? And when you yeah, stopped doing the exactly. BOSU, your foot issues came back? Yeah. I've written about it a little bit on another Mother Runner um, website, but I mean, yeah, that's definitely one thing. Like, I mean, so the BOSU basically promotes glute strength and a lot of women, um, myself included, and many of us, if you're listening included, we carry around the strongest, biggest muscle in your body and we don't use it. And I don't know about you, but mine are big. <laughs> so I, if, I'm gonna, if I have the ability to use them, I want them on my side. So the BOSU just teaches you to engage them. And I mean, and then when you're running, you can be like, oh, I mean, there, are, there have been runs where I've been like, oh my gosh, I feel my glutes pushing me from behind. Like I've never felt that before. So that's one thing. And then the loops are more of to kind of, as you mentioned, Amy, like get your hip strength going, get your stability going, you know, so that your pelvis isn't rocking and you're not inviting injuries down in the lower half of your kinetic chain. So um, they are something that we've put in on um, the stride programs. I put it in the stride into the school year and and we'll continue to integrate them for everybody um, just because they don't take a lot of time. They have a little bit of equipment, but it is so worth it because it does. It just, I mean, it's almost like a physical therapy appointment um, for five minutes on your, you know, on a half ball, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Um, okay. But what everybody really wants to know is, is how heart rate, you know, shook out for you. So you've talked about your 16 minute miles. You've talked about your burning calves, but you ran a really beautifully smart race. Can you tell us about it and what your strategy was going in? And just know oh. that I'm sitting here practically glowing with pride. <laughs> so it's next I'm checked out. I'm just like, yay. <laughs> well, I cannot thank you. And I cannot take any credit for that strategy. Um, I'm a rule follower. So I followed MK's plan for us folks who didn't do the EAT. Um, I can never remember what it stands for. Is it the enhanced anaerobic or aerobic anaerobic. threshold? Yeah. Enhanced anaerobic threshold. So. And what that is, just let me do a quick um, aside. The, the EAT, and it, it may come up in, in, in other interviews, but it's like a little test that we had people do where they go to the track and they run three consecutive 2Ks with their heart rates at different levels. And you can use the numbers from that test to help you formulate a race plan. Um, but it's not necessary to do and it's optional on all the plans. And so you did not do it, Amy. So instead what we did is we gave people a half marathon race strategy and a marathon race strategy. And I mean, um, and so you just followed the generic one. Um, so tell us about it. So for the first five miles, we were supposed to keep our heart rate under 155. The second five miles heart rate was supposed to be under 168. And then after that, there was no more cap. So as the race approached, I I kind of wished I had done the EAT so I'd have a better grip on what exactly I would be doing. But at the same time, it kind of felt like Christmas was coming. I had no idea what my heart rate could do or how fast I could go. Like I said, I really, all my runs were pretty easy. So I was just going to follow the plan and see what happened. And um, the idea is that we'll have negative splits. And that was my hope. And um, my heart rate started out in the 140s. So even just standing there doing my silly toes, even after I finished Silly Toes, as we started the race, I was in the 140s. So keeping below 155 was difficult. Um, I went, I just stayed the course. I was being passed by waves of people. It was just, you know, they just kept coming, even though I started pretty far back in the corrals. Um, I did have to walk for short periods, which was, I think would have been disappointing, except I just know I'm just trying to stick with the plan. So we love for, rule followers. We love I, them. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm a rule follower. And I was never uncomfortable, though, with people passing me because I started far back enough that there were plenty of people walking or doing run-walk intervals. So I kept running into those folks, and I just stayed to the right and did my thing. And I was so glad to see mile five so that I could turn it up a little bit. And I found it a lot easier to stay around 168. 
I honestly wasn't sure if I'd want to go any higher. Um, so when I did get to mile 10 and let loose, I, I thought, okay, well, I'll just see what I want to do. I'm not going to push too hard if I don't want to. I'm a panda bear. But I, I did. I did great. I hung out around 175, and I could begin to feel my endorphins. Um, I would develop tunnel vision going up hills some, so I knew I was pushing, and that felt good. And I, I hadn't felt that you know, the entire 20 weeks. So by that point, I was passing a ton of walkers. People were complaining um, that their bodies hurt, and I felt great. I, I really did. I felt strong to the end, and it was really fun seeing my splits drop from 14s into 12s and into the 11s, and um, I, I had a phone call with Dimity, I think maybe two weeks before my race, and she told me to, when, when I saw the end, just for her, that I should sprint as hard as I could towards the end, <laughs> and I did it, and even though at that point I was feeling kind of tired, but um, I didn't have any pain at all until right there, that last, oh, 50 yards or so, and my hip flexors began to bark at me, um, but I got my medal, and I got my ice towel, and um, every freebie I could, and it was, I had a smile on my face. I was thrilled. And awesome. I finished three minutes, was it three minutes faster than my 2005 time? So that felt pretty good. Yeah. Well, so in your notes, you said, you know, I finished three minutes faster than 2005. So let's, let's 11 years ago. We tend to not like to pull out PRs <laughs> from over a decade ago, just because <laughs> lots changes. And what you said is that was two kids and 30 pounds ago. And I'm midway through my period. And your GPS said that you had your fastest 5K in the middle of your half marathon. So like that, I mean, win, 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 win in our minds, of course. Um, Yay. You did say, you know, maybe you could have gone harder in the first five miles, but you negative split, which is something that is so hard to do. And what I've said to everybody along the way is now you have those skills, right? And so now you know, and when you also have race data on what what happens to you in a race, right? Because, and you were able to get your heart rate above 140, no problem, right? Just standing at the starting line. You were nervous and anxious and ready to go. And the highest it got was like 108. Right. And it did go to 188. You soared, man. You got it up there. Good job. Good job. Well, so so the point (laughs) is, is that like, you know, next time you go run a half marathon, you're going to thrash 252 because you're going to have a blueprint times two. You're going to have executed a really well run race and you're going to have data that knows exactly what your body does in a race situation. And that's, I mean, I think that's pretty invaluable. So um, don't you think she is? Oh my gosh, massively so. I was just saying to Dimity last night that I, one of the things that makes me so happy is when I have a race like this and I have the data from that file where there's so much we can do with that to refine for the next race. And it's harder when I have somebody that um, that runs 20 miles or in a, in a half runs 10 miles and hits the wall and has to walk because they ran out. It's harder to um, refine a race strategy from that. Um, it's a lot easier to do from what you did. I mean, yes, you walked in, in the beginning, but that was to hold back, not because you didn't have it. Um, and that's that's amazing. So this gives us, we have a lot to work with and I can't wait to do it. Yay. Congratulations, Thank Amy. Thanks for sharing Thank your you experience. Proud of you. So thankful. <laughs> I was so happy to have done this. And like I said, I got so much out of this plan. I never imagined we would have so much interaction with our coaches. And I just can't thank you both enough. This was wonderful. It has been such an honor and a privilege to be your coach. I'm so grateful that you gave me a chance. And just thank you for letting me coach and love you for a little while. It's been amazing. Thank you, coach. You are loved, both of you. Thank you. Take care. Thanks.
right, and now we've got a marathoner on, a first time marathoner who happens to be wearing her medal, we've heard right now. Uh, her name is Alicia Oberg. She lives in Minneapolis and she has seven-year-old boy-girl twins. She is the CPA slash CFO of a travel agency. She works part-time. Um, and the best part is she is 39.975 years old because you turned the big 4-0 on what day, Alicia? November 4th. November 4th. So happy birthday in advance. Did you give yourself the marathon for the birthday? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I wanted to get this done. Yeah, it was a huge, like, I wanted to feel strong when I, you know, my mom was, um, when my mom turned 40, I was in college. So it seemed very old and I don't feel old. And so running a marathon makes me feel strong. So, well, yeah, this is what you wrote in your um, race report. I'm giving a quote from each person from their Facebook race reports. I am a marathoner. Holy shit. (laughs) I ran 26.2 miles. 26.2 miles. Proud and shocked. I can't believe that I can add that moniker to my self-description. Badass. Yes. Um, It is still surprising. I mean, when I I did that seven-minute video um, that you you both suggested after my race, which was so great because we tend to, at least for me, I tend to fast forward through life a little bit. And it was nice just to sit and reflect. And I've watched it so many times. And it almost brings me to tears still to say that I'm a marathoner. I mean, it it's, was definitely a bucket list item for so long for me, but not one that I could get on a plane and go to Greece and cross it off. It was months of getting up and doing the work. And I'm really proud of myself and partially surprised. So yes, well, I'm you should very be happy. So Minnesotan, yeah. you can say I'm proud of myself. It's okay. You won't be kicked out of the state. Gosh, and wear that medal every day. Yeah, you earned it. Gosh, no question. So what was your goal for the race? If you don't mind me asking. I mean, I think... I think, you know, I didn't really know, I didn't have any concrete pace, you know, number that I necessarily, because I didn't know what I could do. You know, I had been running for a while, but nothing very refined. You know, I'd go, I, I, for instance, I'd run the 10 miler seven previous years. And I do a little bit of running beforehand, a couple of sevens and just push myself on race day, which you can do in a 10, right? Mm -hmm. And so, for my marathon, I just really wanted to see, could I run consistently for 26.2 miles and cross that finish line and feel strong? That's and a great first goal. Really I mean, check, yeah. check, check. I mean, I felt so, it was such an amazing day. So I, I feel like I certainly accomplished that and was very sort of blessed along the way that I had the weather and that you guys were in town. I mean, it all sort of put me on this pedestal that, hey, let's do this, Alicia. Like, let's get out there and... This, you belong so on. I felt really great. Yeah, with your medal on. <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. Um, okay. All right, let's so I'm just saying that's really hard to do. By the way, everyone gives the right answer, which is it's my first marathon. I don't have a time goal, but it's so easy to get swept up into everyone obsessing over paces and times, and you know, just making not not the best choices or not um, kind of setting up false expectations. So more than anything, I'm proud of you for really putting blinders on staying the course as completely as you did. Yeah. And I mean, and I'm not going to kid myself that I still think about that. You know, there's a bunch of other women out there that Boston qualified, you know, on the ninth and um, another friend that was running her first and ran much faster than me. But, you know, I'm keeping in check. What did I want out of the day? You know, and what did I do for the day and how did I feel and what kind of race did I, you know, I didn't 
fall off the cliff. I didn't bonk in my second half. I felt really great. So I'm just, I, I do have to still remind myself that pace isn't the only thing. Cause of course I do did look at all their numbers and I do realize I wasn't as fast as them, but I am not going to let that be louder than the fact that I crossed the finish line and I did it. Yes. So. You're not as fast as them yet. yet. Exactly. That's right. a Key. big word we throw around a three letter word, but that, and the other thing too, I mean, it's your first time, right? And I, mm-hmm. I think so many people, I mean, I've said this on a couple podcasts and I'll say it again because I just, it still kind of boggles my mind. 26.2 miles is such a long way to run. And there are so many opportunities for the wheels to come off the bus, even if you are somebody who can easily qualify for Boston, even if you are someone who's running your 10th, 20th, 25th, 50th state marathon. Like there's always something that can go wrong. So for you to execute something so well, you know, on your first time doing that distance, I mean, is awesome. But, but before we get, we we are going to talk about race day more in detail, but let's, let's back up, let's back to whenever you started, which is probably like April or May um, and talk about your training. Give us three words that describe how you train for this marathon. And just, you know, this isn't a, this isn't an infomercial. They don't have to all be positive. So I think the the training for me, it, the best three things, it was a consistent sort of a schedule. Like I mentioned earlier, the races I've run in the past, I didn't stay on plan. So consistency was key. Um, it was so empowering. You know, week over week, I got stronger. I went farther. I stayed on plan. I woke up early. Um, and then the third thing, you know, I really felt it was sort of an accountability and a supported sort of a training plan. I felt so great that there was this community that, you know, gave me kudos on Strava that um, we could reach out to each other on Facebook. So it was just, it was very holistic in that it wasn't just something I printed off the internet and I was going at alone, but that it was a, a contingency of strong women, very dedicated and great coaches that kept us sort of, on the straight and narrow and, you know, even when times got tough that we just kept pushing on. All right. Well, I appreciate so- that so much. I always said from the beginning, if this is going to work, it had to be holistic with a W and um, I'm glad that came, that uh, came through. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. So give us one bad run though. You had to have at least one bad run in that 20 week cycle. Oh, I had a lot. I mean, yeah, <laughs> my surprising bad runs were like 12. You know, I would do 20 the week before and, you know, take it slow. And I knew it was going to be hard. And then I had to do 12, which seemed like, oh, that should be easy. And those were my hardest runs on those Saturdays. That distance was so strangely weird because I expected it to be a breeze. Yes. And it's still 12 miles. Yeah. It's not It's not a gimme by any stretch. Okay. All right. right. Good. So you had some awesome support on the course. Can you talk about the advantages of running on your home turf? Yes. Um, I loved running in Minneapolis. You know, I think the course itself, I lived in Minneapolis proper for many years and I love running the lakes and they mean so much to me. I've spent a lot of time around them in many different moods. And so the, the course itself, I had, you know, I like knowing where I'm running. Usually I do better knowing the course. And so there wasn't any surprises, um, as far as, you know, I've run this track before I've been around Calhoun. So I felt great about that. But then on top of it, you know, my, my friends and family just blew me over. Um, I had 36 separate people on the course and a couple of them showed up in multiple spots. So, you know, I couldn't let myself get in, you know, too much of my head because I just kept thinking, okay, who's at the next mile? Who, you know, thinking about that, pushing through. And I mean, 
it brings me to tears just to know how loved and supported I was because I sometimes, not that we question it, but you know, if things got rough, are people in my corner and hell yes, they are. They showed up and they were so great and it meant so much to me. And you know, you put this in your post-race report, but I have to say, and I would argue unless you are, you know, going for the Olympic trials, stopping and hugging your kids and thanking your husband. And I don't know, trying to take a good picture with me along the way. I'm like, no, you got to stop and take a picture. You're like, no, 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 I'm running. But I mean, you know, okay, maybe you added two or three minutes, but big deal. Like you, I mean, that's the thing. Like they supported you for 20 weeks as you went out and did this really hard thing. And then they're here for you as you totally bring it and put a bow on it. And it's lovely. And I don't know. I just, I, I, that part really got me when in your post-race report, just talking about how your cup runneth over and you had just so many smiles and high fives along the course. Cause that well, and feels yes, good. And I remember, um, Sarah or was talking about something that Sage, or maybe you guys said this, that Sage said at your, um, the wine glass weekend or whatever yeah. that she, when she passes people, she like sucks their energy out. Yes. But I didn't feel like that. I felt when I went, went to my loved ones, I got all of that. Yeah. That fueled me. So it was so much. So yeah. Better like, than a than an espresso love goo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I wish more than anything I could like wave a magic wand and make all of my marathoners have an experience this good, especially my first time marathoners, because it's just so rare and amazing and wonderful to hear someone say, I felt strong at the finish, I felt strong in the second half. I felt strong in general. Right. So, but you also ran and executed a crazy smart race. You just executed the plan beautifully. Could you tell us about your half splits and the overall strategy? Yeah. So my total time was 438.38. And I ran my first half in 218.50. And the second half was 219.48. So there's less than a minute differential there. That and is huge. Yeah. Huge. I mean, I just want people to soak that in because the marathon, you're coming out on tapered legs. You've got everybody around you. The music is blaring. Those first six miles, the first hour, whatever it is, you feel like you're barely running, right? You just feel like, oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. is here, right? And it's so easy to blow it. And you came so far from blowing it that it's just like, I, I don't, I just, I, I really hope that you stop and say, okay, a minute between those two things. That's amazing. Amazing. Well, MK okay. was in my head. Well, man. good. It's hard, it's hard for her not to be, right? You're welcome. <laughs> okay, keep going. I just had to really like stop and make people realize that that is a, super hard to do. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I really wanted to try to do that. Um, it did. To your point, yes, the first 13.1 really felt like an easy training plan. So I did two eats. Um, to see, you know, w- what my max was and things like that. And I, and I didn't really run according to an eat plan necessarily because my paces could have been much more aggressive than I actually ran. But I, um, but the eats did give us some framework in which, so my, my goal was the first half an hour I wanted to, um, and I sort of did it by time, 145, the second half, 150, and then 155, 160. So that was the plan. But I never really actually, my heart rate didn't go askew at all at the beginning, which I was really lucky because I had r- read other race reports that people sort of did have a weird reaction. They started out really fast. Mine didn't. I felt calm. I felt ready, well-rested and things like that. Um, so I, I did keep it in check those that first hour, certainly. Um, but when I got to 13.1, it was like, wow, I have so much left. I mean, I really tried to hold back so it felt 
I mean, really easy. I mean, it, it sounds weird. I'm running a marathon. The first half sound, felt easy, but it really did. Well, there's I, some hills you know, in that second really half, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you know right. the hills from the 10-miler, you know? Well, and that's and that's the thing that also, I mean, after I crossed 13.1, you know, that mile from 21 to 23, I'm like, okay, do I pick it up at 16? Do I pick it up at 18? Do I wait until after the hill? So there was some mental stuff going on during that second half. Sure. But overall, I mean, you know, I was hoping, okay, maybe I'll do my eat that last, you know, after 23.5, maybe I'll really do the, you know, get a pace. No, I couldn't do that. I was tired then. Sure. I mean, I did the best I could and I pushed as much as I could, but. And just for the benefit of everyone at home, the EAT, the whole reason behind where we do it is just to kind of figure out where your upper, upper limit is. So instead, I make everyone run easy all the time. And then a couple of times as we start making the race plan, I send them out and make them run real hard. And if, the, if you get to 165, uh, for example, and then you're like, I couldn't finish the workout because I had to start walking. Congratulations. We found your upper limit. You probably don't want to get near 165 until the very end of your race. That's really all it is. But it's a it, it's a little scary on paper. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, you're turning 40. What What's next for you besides, you know, celebrating with um, hopefully, you know, some some beer, some cake, maybe a couple friends. Yes. Um, I am hope, hoping that in the spring I get into the Gary Bjorglund with Grandma's Marathon in Duluth, the half. Okay. Um, that's a distance I think I can tackle. Um, the, I, I definitely want to do another marathon. I think it's just my husband travels Monday through Friday. So the scheduling piece, I'm sort of on an island. So that was a little tricky. So maybe when the kids can stay home by themselves, I'll get back to the marathon. But for now, I think the half is a good place. I, I have, I ran one last May. So if I do the heart training will be nice because I can see improvement over that. And I know what I'm in for. You've got an awesome cardiovascular base now. And now you can jump into, I mean, you don't always have to run slow. MK said you always have to run slow on the certain plans you do because we want to build up that cardiovascular base. But then now you can take it up to the next level, the next plan where you can, you know, we'll put some speed in there like a couple times a week and it's right. pretty fun. And then, but the cool thing about it is, yeah, is yeah. that you, you know, the, the hard workouts are hard and you look forward to them. And then, that, then it makes you really anticipate <laughs> the running slow workouts because you're like, okay, well, I won't be doing this again tomorrow. Right. So like um, when you wake up and you see like a, a 120 recovery run, it's like, yay, I get to do <laughs> this. Way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Awesome. Um, happy birthday. And we're really proud of you. Keep that well, well on. So proud of you. Thank you. so Yes. Much. Well, thank you both. I mean, I couldn't have crossed I couldn't have crossed the finish line without your support and guidance. So I very much sincerely appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Have a good birthday. Thanks. Our final heart rate guinea pig is Heidi Gillenwater. Um, Heidi is 50. Um, She has four kids from age 10 to 20. Um, she lives in Charlottesville, Virginia, where she's a medical oncologist. And this wine, so she went to Wine West. They went as sisters and a brother. Your brother ran a 5K, right? He did. Yeah. So it was his like his first road race ever, actually. Wow. It was a big yeah. family affair up his in PR. Yeah. His definitely. PR. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We had two PRs that day. Awesome. It, this Wine Glass was your 11th marathon. And your quote, Heidi, that I stole from your um race report was i met bart yasso and i finished right behind him <laughs> which i love he passed me right at the very end oh bastard oh, but he did give me a high five okay okay good <laughs> so in your post-race report you said that you now have healthy legs again tell us about that were you injured 
Well, um, yeah. So I guess um, sort of rewinding and telling you my whole running history or my marathon running history, as as I think you saw, this was my 11th marathon. Um, I ran my first marathon um, after I had my first baby. And when I first started running marathons, it was all about just trying to get back in shape. I never thought about my pace. I just ran at a comfortable pace. Um, I was just out there for the experience. And for those first um, 10 years or so, I never had a running injury. Um, But then when my fourth baby was about five and um, I finally lost that baby weight and I was also diagnosed with um, severe iron deficiency anemia and um, got that treated, all of a sudden without doing anything, I started running faster. And I ended up actually um, getting on the podium for the first time in a, our local turkey trot in 2011. Woo-hoo! Very surprised about that. I actually found out about that um, after the race. I was home and someone messaged me and congratulated me. And I said, for what? She said, you took second place in your age group. I said, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I missed my, my, my chance to get a, a prize finally. But anyway, um, it, it made me think maybe if I actually put some effort into this, I could, um, I could do better. I could actually run faster, maybe qualify for Boston. So that following year, I um, trained really hard. I started adding speed work and hills and tempo runs and all that into my training and ran the um, Richmond Marathon in 2012 and um, had about a 70-minute PR over my previous marathon um, but it was 66 seconds short of a PR or for a Boston qualifying. But I was um, I was inspired, and as a um, fairly goal oriented, driven person, I thought, well, if I just keep trying harder, run faster, you know, run, do more speed work, do more, do more, maybe I'll get this. I know that I can do it. And so, within the next six months, I did two more marathons, which didn't go well. And long story short, I kept trying, kept pushing harder. And ultimately um, had several severe running injuries, including a stress fracture in my foot, wound up in a boot for six weeks and sort of up and down this roller coaster. And um, really this this I guess this past um, spring um, had legs that were always in pain. It hurt to go up and down stairs. I was um, I trained for a marathon in um, in uh, the spring, which did not go well. Um, mostly because a lot of my long runs were um, cut short because of severe knee pain. Anyway, long story short, I needed to do something different. Sure. And um, hearing your podcast about your experience on um, with the heart rate training, I, I felt like maybe this would be the thing that would um, turn my legs around and sort of bring me back to how I felt before that Richmond Marathon in 2012. Yeah. Did, do you feel like we you got to that point um, 20 weeks later? Yeah, no, absolutely. It was really very, it was a very interesting process. I, I actually felt my legs healing throughout wow. this running, throughout this training program. I could feel, I had this, you know, weird sort of, I guess, piriformis pain, which um, over the course of the weeks disappeared. I never had that knee pain that had really just stopped me um, still in my tracks, never happened again. This time, I, again, I thought that it was normal to have pain walking up and down stairs, but that went away. Um, So it was, it was kind of a miracle. It was really kind of fun to experience. Cool. Well, and you also talked about um, in your, in your post-race report and along the way, you were talking about 
some other unexpected benefits. So, I mean, a healthy body is huge. And I mean, I'm so happy to hear that you're back to, you know, Heidi version 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever you're at at this point, um, feeling strong again. But you also talked about some of the mental benefits that you got from putting a heart rate monitor on and, and having your heart rate dictate how fast you got to go instead of your ego or your running partner or somebody like that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, as I think you probably all already gathered, I'm a bit of a type A um, driven kind of person, but, and also I, I also follow rules. So when I strapped on this heart rate and saw, okay, I need to keep my heart rate at 140 or less and I need to run. Um, but because I really wanted, I really wanted to run faster. I also very quickly found out that there were other things that um, affected my ability to run faster. So, um, so stress, um, stress, sleep, um, these kinds of things. I, I started also monitoring my resting heart rate in the morning and my heart rate variability. And those were very um, early signs of things that weren't quite right. So if I didn't sleep well, my resting heart rate was up and my heart rate variability was down. And then when I went out for a run, I wasn't able to run as fast as I, I did the other day while still keeping my heart rate at the, you know, that stable level. So I, because I wanted to run faster, I started taking care of myself. Um, I started um, trying to get better sleep. I started um, trying to actually manage stress. I thought that stress was just a normal part of my existence, um, but I started looking into things that might actually help. So I um, started meditation, which um, I'm just using this um, Headspace app, which, um, you know, I'm certainly no expert, but I I listen to it and I try to do what he tells me to do. And that seems to have um, helped me with my stress, um, which has also helped me sleep better. And um, when I'm doing that, then I can run better. So, um, so I think that's good. And I think kind of the other thing that I think, um, somewhat related is just patience. And that started early on. Um, so for someone like me who really, I kind of like to run fast. I like the the sort of the buzz I get after the, you know, the runner's high after a hard workout, um, to have the patience to run the pace that is necessary to keep my heart rate low. Um, it, it was hard. It was really hard, but, um, but I, I stuck with it and I, I kind of, I started noticing that that patience was translating to, um, you know, how I, how I, um, interacted with my, my family at home or how I interacted at work. So I think all of those things are pretty good. Huge um, byproducts, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's, you know, not saying, of course, you know, running is very numbers based and we can't change that. But if you can zoom out as you've been able to do and say, oh my gosh, look at all these other things that I've gained from changing one thing on my training and I'm still getting in a lot of miles and I'm, and I'm healthy again. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And I think you keep saying I'm type A and yes, you are, (laughs) but you know what? So are 99% of the people listening, including MK right right here. So, I mean, there is a reason why we're drawn to running, right? And so, and I think, What's hard is, is exactly what you were talking about at the beginning when you're saying, oh, I'm 60 seconds, 66 seconds away from my Boston qualifier. What do I have to do? I have to run harder. I have to 
beat myself up more. I've got to strength train at the gym three times a week. And then I've got to, you do know, more. Yeah. Like double workouts do, you know, and just, and just push and push and push. And the reality is, is your body can only take so much. And, you know, we, we are, um, our role models are the Kara Gouchers of the world who, you know, their job is training. Right. And so we, you know, try to replicate them to the best we can, not realizing that the other parts of our body, um, lives that that you know the stress that comes from raising four kids and having a full-time job and being married and trying to keep the fridge full and all those things you know that's stress and your body cannot delineate the difference between that kind of stress and the training stress so mm-hmm. not only are you like upping the stress of your training but that life stress is still there and your body's like holy cow I cannot handle this right and like it sounds like heart rate just let you push a big control alt reset button or control alt delete right reset yeah, absolutely totally <laughs> no I, I have that that sums it right up I, I totally agree that's awesome well so I mean so you had a race right and I mean we wanted to have you on because you did not have a PR everyone else set a PR um in some yeah. some facet and you actually were close to an hour slower than so yeah. you were very far from um from qualifying from Boston, but I, I want you to talk a little bit about that and your race itself and kind of how you place this 11th marathon in your journey to get you to Boston. Cause you're going to get there. We know you are. Yeah. Thanks. I, um, well, I, I going, you know, before going into the marathon, I, I made this deal with myself that I would, um, be, I would accept whatever my body was able to deliver on that day. And I, I think that was another thing that I finally learned through this training program was, uh, if I had a bad run, it wasn't because I was a bad runner. It was because of, you know, there are a lot of things that, that can happen. And, um, and that doesn't mean that I'm a bad runner or a bad, bad, um, bad person. Um, so, um, so that was, that was huge. That is huge. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I, and it, it, you know, let's face it, there were a few moments, maybe more than a few moments during the marathon where I was quite unhappy and I was in a lot of pain and I wanted to quit, but, um, but I kept reminding myself, <laughs> this is, you know, I, I, I this is, I, I'm going to accept what I, you know, what my body is able to give me today. Um, and, and so I think I, I did a, I, I did the best I could on that. Um, and I, I feel very good about that. Good. Um, yeah. And then, you know, just having my, having my sister and brother at the finish line, um, there, you know, that was, uh, could never, um, yeah, never, that was just amazing and wonderful. And, um, it's good times yeah. together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what you're going to remember more than the marathon, right? Is, I mean, I think that's sometimes hard to remember that when you're in the middle of the course, but afterwards when you're taking pictures and celebrating Kirsten and your brother and do, you know, I mean, that's, I don't know, to me that, that means more that you guys got to spend the weekend together than, you know, an hour more on the course, um, for yeah. a marathon, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. You have made me cry more than just about anyone else in this program, man. The times that we talked when you were in the airport and you were being so hard on yourself. And <laughs> when I was tracking you and watching you at Wine Glass with those freaking cowbells and that horrible app, every time that you crossed <laughs> a mile marker, got kicked out of church again. Um, and then getting, like, seeing, knowing that you were going to be disappointed. And I cried through all of that. And then I cried again when I got that gorgeous letter that you wrote yesterday about everything that you'd learned. And I, I'm just bursting with pride, bursting with it. Oh, there thank is you. If the one thing I really wanted for moms everywhere. Running should be something that's empowering, that shows you what a badass you are. 
that whatever you thought you had is still in there and it should never be an excuse to beat yourself up harder, to find another mark to miss, to feel like a constant source of failure when society's already set us up for that. And for you to be where you are now, I cannot wait to see how far you're gonna go. I really can't. I thank you so much for letting me coach and love you a little while. You are just a dream come true. You really are. Oh, thank you. She's uh, having a moment over here and we're, we're sharing headphones. I've got the left and she's Aww. got the right. So we're like Siamese twins anyway. But and she can't run away. I can't run away from this weeping mess. No, no. I mean, but that's, it, that is the truth. And I mean, I will say, and I, again, this is not an infomercial because I just know people were intrigued to know about heart rate came up, but I will say, you know, MK launched herself with, you know, extreme depth into every runner here and really does. I mean, that's, that's the message when she first, when we first met, it was that message is that running is not running. It should be a positive, awesome force in your life. It should not be another reason for you to criticize yourself or think you're lesser than to think that you are not measuring up to some unspoken expectation. And, you know, I'm not saying you can't set goals. You can absolutely set very high goals. And, and Heidi, I mean, there's nothing more than what we want to do is see you qualify for Boston, but to do it in a healthy way instead of a way that is just completely decimating you, you know? Right. Right. No, I think I, I understand that I, um, I don't have unlimited energy and, and I do need to, um, respect the need to rest and recover. And I, I finally, um, I finally think I do know how to run easy. Whereas once I got my Garmin, um, I, you know, I actually, um, (laughs) <laughs> the the Garmin was a wonderful tool, but it also, I think, being someone who loves numbers and also is very competitive, every single training run became another race and another chance yeah. to do a little bit better. And then love Strava, but now you're competing with yes. everyone on Strava. Yes. And yeah, that's great. I love that. But, you know, it's it's just um, more fuel to um, feed my... <laughs> feed, yeah, no, it's hard. It's hard, to, it's hard yeah. to put that away. And that's, I mean... There's beauty and it's a double-edged sword because, yeah, and so that's, I mean, a lot of the time, you know, especially when you're starting to train by heart rate, we recommend that people just put their heart rate up and maybe the time, like the amount of time that they've been running on their on their face of their watch. And that's all you get to see. You don't get to see your paces. You don't get to see, you know, if you're, if you're on Strava, you know, if you're going to be king of the hill or whatever, you know, whatever little medal they've got for you today. Um, but instead, just kind of tuning in it and like Kirsten said, how does that feel? How does this feel right now that I'm running easy, you know, and not mm-hmm. and not letting a certain number on your wrist dictate because and you and you mentioned this and we talk about this in the intro, too. But, you know, yes, your cardiovascular fitness definitely um, contributes to how you know what your pace is going to be. But stress, sleep, nutrition, I mean, all those things are almost as important as, you know, what your heart can do. And, you know, and you've acknowledged that. So, so thank you for, for bringing us around to a really healthy perspective on just living a really smart life and being a mother runner. So the hardest thing I think for a lot of people to understand, because we, for, for those of you not in the program, I've designed this to be very dynamic. It's not that everyone's going to do the same plan all the time. Um, after you've completed one set, you have the option to go a little deeper and a little harder and add, it, add back in a lot of, of those familiar elements now that you have the cardiovascular base to handle it. And, um, I, man, it's just, it's, it's so hard to explain to somebody, like, today you could hit that harder pace. 
um, but three days ago you couldn't, or three days later you can't. And it's like, why does this change day to day? It's like some days you can do it, some days you can't. Some days that, that 168 is going to translate maybe into a 10-minute mile, and others it might translate into, um, you know, 1130. And that doesn't mean you lost fitness day to day. It maybe means that maybe between this run and the last one that was similar, you slept less, had more stress. It could be a whole lot of things, but it doesn't mean you're losing it or that you suck. And yeah. I'm just... You know, that was a huge lesson for me to learn. It's, um, yeah... <laughs> and better to take like, it on the uh, easy paces than when we're killing you on hard paces anyway. Yeah, totally. So, well, yeah. Good. Well, keep, proud. Yep. keep it up, sweet Heidi. Good luck. And um, and we will see you out on the road sometime soon, I'm sure. And I really want to get you to Boston. So, information for you, I really want to see you in future programs because I want to get you there. Okay. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. to the Train Like a Mother Club corner. Um, so we talked to people who have finished their race. Here's somebody who's about to run the Marine Corps Marathon this weekend, along with a bunch of you. So you guys have a great time on that fun course. Um, this is Nadia Lamoth, um, who is from Ontario. And she says, I am running the Marine Corps this Sunday. Last night, my parents came over for dinner and my marathon mother asked me how I was feeling. I responded that I was very nervous and anxious. She looked at me, smiled, and said, You are looking at this all wrong. You are traveling to a great city to run a race you trained for. Enjoy it. Amen to that, Amen. right? Sometimes a girl just needs her mom to help her out. And she calmed me right down. Nadia, I love your mom. Please tell her that for what it's worth. <laughs> we all do. All right. Awesome. And so we got, this has been a crazy long podcast. Hopefully you're out for a long run. We just wanted to talk a little bit about the 2017 programs that we are queuing up in the Train Like a Mother Club. The first things first, um, we are going to have the Stride Through the Holidays program starting um, uh the, the registration is going to open on November 3rd, and the dates are five weeks. It's November 14th to December 18th. Again, that is a benefit um, for Heart Strides. And um, so it's a really fun five weeks of just getting through the darkest, most stressful time of the year. So hopefully you join us there. Um, again, registration opens on December, November 13th. Um, and then as far as looking into 2017, We've got heart rate programs throughout the whole year, 20-week race programs. We've got Heart Rate 101, Heart Rate 102. We have got um, traditional programs for you, um, including Put the Mother in Runner, which is 5K success. We're going to have a number of 5K start-to-run programs. Um, we are going to have triathlon programs for sprint and Olympic distances. Um, and then we're going to also kind of veer a little bit off the road and have some nutrition seminars as well as brain game seminars is what we're calling them that um, will hit on things like motivation, mental toughness, and race day strategy. So got a lot, a comprehensive package for you over there for 2017. Um, finally, the last thing I want to mention is what we're going to do to help you figure out what you want to do in 2017, whether or not you join us and train like a mother club or not, is, is the week of December 5th, we are going to have a whole week of webinars where we help you define some appropriate goals for yourself and look at races and set um, plan your 2017. Um, that's the week of December 5th. It will be up for sign up and all the information will be up um, 
I believe, right after Thanksgiving. So just wanted to give you a heads up, but don't worry, we'll tell you about it in many ways. And we want to make it clear that that's going to be open to everybody. We want to open this up oh, yeah. to everybody yeah. that wants to do it and wants to have a, a goal setting. You don't have to be in the heart rate training. Yeah, no, if you want to talk, tri- we're going to have some with the triathlon coaches. We're going to have some with the... Um, the traditional coach, Amanda Loudon, who some of you have heard on the podcast already, who is replacing Christine Hinton. Um, So yeah, we've got everybody coming in. So we want everyone just to move forward and stay healthy. So we'll see you next time. Many happy miles, MK. Yay, many happy miles to you, Dim. 